0: After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes?
1: A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later, we're on the search to get that question answered.
0: If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you.
1: We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa.
0: Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Every new year, Lisa and I get nonprofits reaching out to us, talking about how they want to do something different this year. They want to get things kind of started on the right foot, and Lisa and I look at each other and we're like, this would have been a really great conversation to have four months ago, <laughs> um, just because, you know, in general, when you want to actually do something, you want to plan something, especially for an organization, you want to be at least a couple months ahead so you can lead into... What you're going to be doing. And January is a great time for nonprofits to be like getting getting out there and doing stuff. So starting thinking, OK, it's a new year is kind of a little late. And so we figured this would be a great time for us to have an episode where we talk about yearly planning, because as you're getting into the beginning of fourth quarter. It's really good to start be start thinking about first quarter and second, and third and fourth. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is yearly planning from a nonprofit perspective and how you can strategically plot out your year in a way that's going to really kick things into a state of inertia and momentum that can lead you from one season to the next and one year to the next.
1: Yeah, this is a really um, big deal because when we talk with nonprofits who want to make a change There is a certain amount where it's like, oh my goodness, we didn't plan any events. We need to get something planned right now for tomorrow and make this happen. And the benefit of looking at next year prior to fourth quarter or in fourth quarter is that it gives you time mentally to plan ahead, think ahead, make non-emotional decisions, really be able to get a big picture of what your organization is trying to do Um, and then go from there. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, and maybe it's like May of a year, and you're like, oh, man, I missed it. It's better to start now than to not start. That being said, I would suggest giving yourself at least six to eight weeks of runway time before your next event versus saying, I feel like I'm behind. So therefore, I'm going to rush through the process. Um, Simply because it'll give you the chance to really do this in a way that makes sense long-term for your organization with a long-term strategy in mind. So with that, let's jump into some of kind of the key components that we always bring yeah, up. Yeah,
0: so first of all, we talk about events a lot, and I just want all of our listeners to understand, events aren't necessarily uh, like a gala. Like, an event could be a just a week that you know is going to be something that online you're, you're going to be pushing uh, along with everybody else who's connected to your organization like an event we we talk in the broadest terms We're talking about events because mm-hmm. different organizations different nonprofits have different needs and different ways they relate to their communities yep, and so uh, Definitely don't like get pigeonholed in your mind like okay an event is a 5k like it might be for your organization But it like also might not be that at all. It might be like a gift uh, like a, a gift exchange thing where you like collect toys and you bring them to places or or whatever like so th- really we're going to be saying event a lot in this episode but we're really trying to just uh, use that as just a term that's very like a blanket statement sort of term yeah
1: the other part of this is when we say event we are not specifically talking about donation focused events Um, A lot of nonprofits think, if I need money, I have an event, and I raise money. But sometimes the most effective events are really to grow your volunteer base, uh, get your name out there, become known. Maybe there's a financial side to this, but maybe there's not, and that's okay. The thing is, it's having a big picture and understanding what the purpose of the event is. And part of that is understanding where you're at in the flywheel And maybe you're coming into a season where it doesn't make sense to have a financial event, but it makes more sense to raise awareness within the community or use an event to gain strategic partnerships with businesses or other nonprofits. Um, Or maybe it's just, we need some more volunteer roles. And I have a bunch of people who want to volunteer. I think they're the right people, but I don't have any right actions for them to do. What can I create so that they can get involved and get vested as I'm building out more volunteer roles long-term? So depending on the needs of your organization, it's not always going to be a financial event. So event is a super broad term, like Ted said. Um, it doesn't look a certain way and it doesn't always have the same goal outcome, um, right, or the same outcome. It's,
0: so, yeah. so when we're talking about year planning, we're talking about a thing called tent pole marketing strategy. It's a thing where it's an idea where you imagine you have four tents over the course of the year. and at the at the middle of each tent, like a big circus tent, you got the tent pole, right? Like that is the climax of that event, right? So if it's a if it's a big like a gala that you're running, if you are doing that kind of event, that is the tent pole is the day of the gala. That is like the actual day. But if you notice the rest of the tent, kind of leads up to it and kind of comes down from it, right? Mm. So it's not just like, oops, we're having a gala, and, and then we never talk about it <laughs> again. Yeah, oh, like galas <laughs> happen on accident. Um, but really, most nonprofits should probably have four tentpole events over the course of any given year, and there are good strategic times uh, for those. We're going to talk about those a little bit. But um, take those a little bit with a grain of salt, too, because when we talk about where to put these events, it's really going to come down to what kind of organization are you, What what is your cause, how does that relate to your community, and how does that relate to the world, and what makes the most sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, we know that the term event can cover anything from a massive, like, 5,000-person gala down to a one-on-one conversation. Um, all of those are events. So what we're talking about are kind of like the big Bigger events for your nonprofit. Um, But if you're someone who maybe has like a weekly thing that you do in the community, those technically are events. They go on a calendar. But for the purpose of this, we're talking about um, kind of a standalone event. That's kind of a big thing for the quarter that has a specific purpose that is pushing your organization forward. Right. So event is incredibly broad. We want to keep it broad. I just don't want you Mm -hmm. thinking well, I am going to the farmer's market to advertise in July because right. that may or may not be it. Um, and so just to bring it in just a little bit. In the
0: church world, it, you know, a lot of times it's pretty it seems like it's pretty obvious what the events should be. You got like a fall, like back to school time is also like back to church time. Right. For a lot of people who are out away over the summer. And then you've got Christmas and Easter and then uh, maybe some other day in there. I can't remember what is in the middle. Something in the summer. There's usually some, some kind of summer thing that they do, but a lot of churches won't do like a big, like come to church for this event in the summer. It's like, we'll have like a big picnic or mm-hmm. something like that, right? And so, but we do want you to think a little bit more outside the box when you're thinking about events because it's not necessarily what you're uh, doing to host your uh what am i trying to say here it's not necessarily like in a, in the church world it's weird right because the people you're helping are also the people who are contributing a lot of the time mm-hmm. and so saying like this is our big tentpole event is christmas for example you're not necessarily looking for the tentpole event to be the christmas uh service right you might be thinking about like How are we building up the funds leading up to that? How are we building up the volunteer base? How are we making the organization stronger to be able to hold the capacity for more people to help when we get to Christmas? So it's don't just think of like, okay, the end goal is this many people attend the event.
1: Right. And I think that's something that organizations can sometimes get stuck on, like the vanity metrics or. The idea that what the event looks like is what the event is for. So for Christmas at a church, a lot of people would say, oh, it's to have a lot of people show up at the service. But maybe that church is looking at it saying, yeah, we want people to show up. But our goal is really to have all of our staff and our key leaders meeting people so that we can get to know them, get them back in January, because that's going to be the beginning of a volunteer like trying to get people involved. Right. Um, And so, or like the back to church event, that could actually be a volunteer drive. The Christmas event, maybe it's more like donations based and helping the organization get into the beginning of the year. So sometimes mm-hmm. we assume that the event has to have a certain outcome based on the time of year that it is. But really, a lot of that is nonprofit leaders going by whatever they believe the default to be. Rather right, than asking like, the question, it, how should we be using this?
0: Yeah. And and that should be the big question that you're asking as a as a nonprofit leader is what is the goal of this event? Mm-hmm. And the answer is never just to have a lot of people like there. That's like the surface level, right? If you want yeah. a lot of people at an event, why? Why do you want a lot of people there? Is it because you're trying to raise extra money this time? Are you trying to raise extra awareness? Are you trying to grow your impact in the community? Like you you should really know what your goal is behind wanting a lot of people at an event. If right. you're doing an event that gathers a lot of people together.
1: Because if you don't know what the goal is, you might get a lot of people there, but they might be all the wrong people for right. the goal. Um, If you're not sure what the goal is, the language that you use in the invitations, when you're calling people, when you're following up with people, it uh, might not be the right language to actually move your organization toward the goal that you have in mind. And so that's part of where the strategy comes in. So as we're looking ahead toward the next year, um, a first recommendation would be honestly pull out like a calendar and look at, look at like a whole year. Look at the natural ebbs and flows within your organization, within the lives of the people of your organization, and then start to think through at what point of the year makes the most sense to do an event that's centered around volunteerism. At what point of the year makes the most sense to do an event centered around giving at what point of the year makes the most sense to do an event centered on community involvement or getting out there and or, out, becoming, uh, or, or outreach or. Uh,
0: yeah, or trying to expand your reach, mm-hmm. right? Awareness.
1: Yeah. Look at your organization. Look at the two or three different things that are going on right now that you that maybe you think if I could just figure out X, we would be able to move forward. What type of what time of year seems to kind of line up with that the best? And then from there, then you can start to consider what types of events you may or may not use.
0: So to just give a couple examples of what we've seen work really well in the past, we've seen giving centered events work really good from about the week before Thanksgiving until end of year. People have uh, kind of just generally an air of generosity because it's mm-hmm. like Christmas season or holiday season. They they generally are feeling pretty good and happy. Some people are getting year end bonuses. Some people are looking for ways to kind of close out the year with a uh, a donation to help them tax tax write offs and stuff. So there are a lot of different reasons why end of the year is a really good financial event mm-hmm. type thing. If that fits with your organization and what you're trying to do.
1: Yep. Now at the same time, end of the year, you want to pay attention to what's going on within the people of your organization. Um, trying to do a gala or a Christmas party could be a great time uh, between the end of November or all through December time. Depending on your people, though, it might be a terrible time to do an in-person event. It might be a better time to do a gift drop-off to help someone Or some other thing where people can be a part of it or donate money in a special way, but they aren't necessarily having to set aside an evening.
0: Yeah, I would would say, yeah, end of the year is generally going to be hard to get people together because they have so many other commitments. They're out trying to do shopping and they have family get togethers. And a lot of people are just like, if I see my family At one point during this whole month, I don't want to see anybody else (laughs) for the rest of the month.
1: (laughs) Or if they do have a party, they probably have a work Christmas party in some capacity that they automatically have to prioritize simply because of the nature of the party. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then you have competition in other areas that you wouldn't necessarily have at other points of the year.
0: Exactly. So then um, a really good time to be focusing on volunteer growth. Uh, Would be the summer summer is a great time people want to get out they want to do things and so if you're going to run a tent pole strategy for something to do in the summer getting people to be involved is a lot easier in the summer they might Mm be gone doing camping and that kind of stuff but generally it's because people like to be more active in the summer so if you can figure out a way to host some sort of event or put together some sort of tent pole thing. It doesn't even really have to be super related to your cause, just something to get people together and then strategically create some some easy to do low effort volunteer roles in that event. That's a great way to get people in the shallow end of the pool and just sort of see who are the people who like love to help out? Who are the people who just find a lot of joy in serving people and that kind of stuff? You're going to find those people, I think, in the summer a lot.
1: Yeah. And if you're doing that with the temple strategy, remember, create volunteer roles leading up to the event, at the event, and after the event. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times nonprofits miss the biggest opportunity to reach their goals in the days after the event where they can actually be doing follow-up. So make sure you're creating volunteer roles across the board, especially one-time volunteer roles. And when they come to volunteer, don't be like, and here's my goal for you. Your goal personally in that is to see how many new people you can get to volunteer with you, keep their names, so that later on you can be staying in contact with them and reaching out to them and seeing if they would consider actually becoming regular volunteers for your organization. Right. A lot of times going out to someone saying, hey – I would love you to come volunteer every single week for the rest of your life. <laughs> They're going to be like, what? But if you go to someone say, hey, I'm hosting a one-time event. Could you come volunteer? It's an all-day thing, but the volunteer role shifts out. Like, we have shifts, and you it's only like two hours. Could you show up and mm-hmm. help out for one of them? Um, you're giving them an opportunity to get to know how your organization operates, how you as a leader operate, and then they have the opportunity then to – Opt in for a little bit more, or at least mm-hmm. be aware of what your organization.
0: Yeah, it's just is a it's just a chance for them to kind of dip their toes in and sort of see. And this is a your chance as a leader of the nonprofit to make sure their volunteer experience is their favorite thing they did all summer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the event itself, if if like the event itself is sort of lame, but the volunteers had a fantastic time. If that's yeah. your goal is to blow away the volunteers and have them go like, this was awesome. Then it's fine. Like if mm-hmm. like not as many people showed up to the event, but the volunteers had a great time serving and yep. they're like, Hey, I want to do this more. Like that's a huge bonus. Like that, that's a, that's, that's what you were trying to do. So it worked. Don't get, uh, don't look at those vanity metrics again. Mm-hmm. Those are a byproduct of continual, right metrics being measured right and if the volunteers had a fantastic time serving at an event but let's say that the amount of people that you had coming to it was lower than expected if the volunteers had a super amazing time guess what next year i bet there's going to be more people but you have to be consistent with plugging those right metrics in and saying i'm measuring volunteer enjoyment levels that's what i'm measuring for this event right Or I'm measuring how much money we raised. If there weren't very many people, but you blew out your your money raising goals. I don't see many organizations complaining about that. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: And know your money raising goal. Is your goal to raise a large amount of money, or is it to get the most number of people to donate, regardless of the dollar amount? Right. And I um, would
0: say I would say year end is a really good time to look for lots of smaller donations if you're if you're kind of like that sort of Sort of because um, people aren't necessarily like I have ten thousand dollars to blow around yeah, Thanksgiving like time because like they're thinking about all of the other Christmas. expenses for holidays. Yep. But you might you might be saying like this is a good time for us to look for 50 more five dollar a month donations mm-hmm. and, and continue continued donating.
1: Yeah. I'd say going into fall. Um, that's a great time for anything that involves consistency. Families are starting to get back into the mode of school. People generally leave their summer schedules and they kind of start getting into a routine. So at this point, an event that's focused on um, building consistent volunteers or asking people to actually plan to give consistently, not the big one time gifts, but would you give twenty five dollars a month for the next year? Um, Anything that involves just people being a part of it or if you want to launch A new program. This is a great event to be the first, like, hey, we are launching right now because people have it in their head. Okay, yeah, things start in the fall and they go until spring. And so you're lining it up with a natural cycle that people are used to. And they're like, yeah, this makes sense. I get it. You're not having to explain quite as much because culture and the environment around them has taken care of a big piece of that. And so you're not trying to fight you're against someone against,
0: else. Yeah, the flow. Think think of culture kind of like a flow of, of a river or something, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to be paddling against the stream. You want to be locking in step with it. And, and then the current of what's happening in the culture is going to help propel you further as yeah. well. And I think that's another reason why spring is a great time for larger gift donation mm-hmm. focus stuff because... It's tax season. And while some people are like, oh my gosh, it's tax season. Other people are like, whoa, I have an extra Mm $4,000 and a lot of people don't plan for generosity. Yeah. But when they get a lump sum and they realize like I have this month covered, I have an extra 500 bucks. Some people would rather spend those $500 on finding a nonprofit to give to or some kind of cause rather than like getting a a TV or whatever. Mm -hmm.
1: One thing I will say with the spring is be careful not to ask too much too early. Um, Sometimes we'll see nonprofits go for a big ask right away in January. And I won't say this won't work. Like, it can work. There's tons of things that you can do. You can do things off-season if you want to. And if you've built it correctly and you've built your organization over time, maybe you have developed the culture that's strong enough to go against like the natural current just because of how you've run things. That being said, in January, if you're going for a big ask, you are fighting against people's natural tendency to look at their bank account right after Christmas and go, "Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) that was big. Um, And so if you start looking for an event, maybe you plan it for like March or April, which means you can start talking about it, not right away in January, but kind of coming into February. What we see is the spring becomes kind of a dead time for nonprofits. And usually it's January, February that nonprofits start thinking about an event, which means it's not going to get pulled off until April, May, maybe even June. Um, And so if you can kind of fill in that gap, you're going to have very little competition with other nonprofits that are also trying to get the resources, whether it's time, money, or people.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: this can be a great time to just say, yep, the holidays were done. We all had a lot of fun, but now we're going to host an event that is... Fun. I would focus in this one in particular doing something that people are going to get a lot of joy out of. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean a certain type of event, but make it something fun that people are like, you know, it's been a long winter. We're getting toward the end of the school year. Everyone's kind of tired. Everybody's antsy. Everybody's antsy. We just spent a lot of money a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. But this event sounds so great that I'm going to go out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do it. Um, and... I will also say here, even if your event is not financial focused or any of your events aren't financially focused, you should always have a way for people to give. Yes. If your event is financially focused and you are in a conversation with someone who cares about your organization, you should always have a way for people to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that there is one type of event. It's that every event should be open for all of the different areas while at the same time, you know what your main focus is. Just because you have an event that has one focus doesn't mean that you want to tell someone who has a different focus. Yeah, that's really cool. You want to volunteer, but you're not welcome here right now. Why don't you wait for three months for our next event? (laughs) Like, It doesn't make sense, but sometimes we can get blinded as leaders. And get so focused on what the goal is that we miss the other people who are coming to us and wanting to be a part of our organization in a different capacity.
0: So there are a couple things with this. One, you need to resist the urge as an organizational leader to say, well, let's just do 10 tentpole events over the course of the year or, right. or, or 15. Um, you'll you'll burn you'll fry people out like they're either going to get fried out from volunteering too much or being asked to give too much or just like too many events. And you're going to end up uh, just creating like atrophy over time because you're, you're just like burning out those muscles. Think about like athletes that like get injuries because they're doing too much. That, and that happens to organizations a lot, nonprofit organizations a ton. So that's why we recommend like four, maybe five big events over the course of the year and then give time to rest in between.
1: And at the same time with this, make sure that you know what's going on within your whole organization. So that you're creating a plan for the different departments as well. Um, because if your organization is on the larger size, like if you're a smaller organization, chances are your four or five tentpole events are going to be the events for the entire organization. If it's larger, though, or maybe you have one section that's just a little bit different than the rest and operates a little bit more independently, you want to make sure that they're not throwing out an event that that is then conflicting with a different event that you have two weeks later. Um, we've seen this in churches on we've worked with a few um and they'll have like their normal christmas easter back to school kind of those big events probably a summer picnic Mm -hmm. um but then separately they'll also have a huge push for a men's event a women's event maybe
0: a youth event a youth event children's event
1: vbs um but then separately from that they might have like other volunteer based events like we want to do like a volunteer thank you night. And in their minds, these are only four pull events a year. But because they're happening in different areas, they really have eight to 10 to 12, if not more events, because you have all of the different teams also hosting their own events and doing their own pushes.
0: And and we don't like the term burnout. We think that like burnout is used in it. We actually have a whole episode <laughs> talking about yeah. like just getting rid of the word burnout. But it is true, though, that you can just completely fry people on events. And they're just like, there's just too too many of this these things. Just too I'm much. not going to go to all this. Yeah. And so you got to keep that in mind. And then uh, another big piece of this, use every event to market the next event. Yes. Every yes. event yes. is <laughs> a chance for you to start, start the hype up for the next event. Now... You don't want to be like at the gala saying, "Hey," uh, when the gala is kind of over. Like, "Hey, we need volunteers for the next event." Like, you don't want to do that, but you want to get people to already kind of be saving the date
1: mm-hmm. for the
0: next event. Hey, keep in mind too, guys, that in the spring we're going to be having a great uh, a, a picnic or whatever you're doing. Right, use that event. You got you got you have put on this amazing event. People are having a great experience. Use that time to get people to say, wow, this was awesome. I'm not going to miss the next one.
1: Right. And every event has a huge benefit that most people do not realize. Um, Every event is a reason for you to reach out to every single person who has ever been a part of your organization. Um, In a lot of organizations, they'll send out just the flyer, the people who show up, they have a good time at the event, and then they just hope they show up again for the next event. Where in reality, the benefit of the event is is the event itself. But more than that, it's the conversations that happen surrounding the event. Mm-hmm. So That's before that tent
0: pole. That's the tent. Yep. yep.
1: Before the event, it's calling people and saying, hey, I just wanted to reach out. We have this thing coming up. We're super excited. If they're not able to make it, you're very easily able to tell them, well, hey, you know what? I understand you're busy this time. Save the date for this upcoming one. Because in a couple of months, we're getting together again.
0: Which, by the way, means you need to know what the date is of the next one, which is why you got to do a year planning.
1: Shocking. You have to plan. (laughs) Um, But have that conversation with them. Save the date for this next one. If you have a goal at that one um, in your mind, don't just say, well, our goal is to do X. Could you help? But, you know, throw it out there. You know, we're trying to raise some money. I don't know if you've considered what your giving is going to look like between now and the end of the year. Or maybe you know someone who'd like to contribute. Or if this doesn't work for you, we'd love for you to get involved. Do you have any volunteer times coming up? We have some office activities that we could honestly use some help from some, some help on, that's the word, if you have a couple hours. Like have those conversations at the event, be present at the event. And then after the event, the event is not done yet. Take advantage of the time after the event. That week after, those two weeks after are like the golden hours. Those are the times that you can call every single person who is at the event. Send them handwritten thank you notes. Reach out to them. Let them know how appreciated they are. Have those conversations. If someone was going to show up and then they didn't show up, call them. Just say, hey, we missed you. Because people think like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll show up, maybe I won't. But once someone realizes that someone missed them, Mm-hmm. It changes their um, care about future events.
0: I will say this, though. Don't say that to people that you didn't know were planning to come. Right. Because they might say, well, I didn't miss you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? You do so have to use that so you have to make sure For the people who didn't show up or like, who just like basically didn't show any interest, what you can do is keep those people in mind. You may not want to like directly connect uh, contact them with this kind of thing, but um, fear of missing out is a huge, huge motivator for people. And so make sure to celebrate what happened at the event in a public way later on. So that, like, for example, if you're able to get some video or something of the event that you can post on social media, or, you know, if you're a church, you can play it on a weekend coming up or whatever, just to say like, hey, you know, three weeks ago, remember we did this thing. It was so much fun. For those of you who weren't able to make it, we just want to give you guys a little taste of what it was like and what we were able to accomplish you show it off a little bit, people celebrate it. And the people who didn't prioritize it are thinking, "Oh, I should plan to be at the next one. That looked like an awesome time." Mm-hmm.
1: And make sure that you celebrate what happened even if your expectations weren't met. The first couple times that you do events, it can be hard because you don't know what's going to happen. Um it's like starting a new business and someone's like, "What's your goal 5 years from now?" And you're like, I don't know, what goals should I have? The first time you run an event, you can write down goals or have an idea, but until you get into the rhythm of it and then grow as a leader so that your events can grow over time, it can just be really hard to know. Um, But even okay. if an event didn't go the way that you were expecting, celebrate the event, celebrate the people who were there. Yep. Um. The issue that I've seen is, let's say a nonprofit was trying to raise $10,000, and at an event they raised $8,000, sometimes the leader will be like, you know what, Like we didn't hit the $10,000 mark, but we raised $8,000. Or they'll say, we only raised $8,000, but it was fun. But they'll say it in a way that lets everyone around them know. We lost. We lost. (laughs) Two, it's kind of good you didn't come because you weren't part of the losing team. And three, for all you people who did show up and contribute, you weren't enough. Right. It sends all of the wrong message. And this isn't about changing your goal. If you had a goal and you publicly stated we're trying to raise ten thousand dollars, and you rose and you managed to raise eight thousand dollars, it's still a. I'm super excited. Yeah, we were going for eight th- for ten thousand dollars, but you guys, eight thousand dollars. Do you know how much of a difference this is going to make? Yep, we're then so you tell excited. The that yep. we're going to be able to help this family and this person and do this thing. And we're just going to continue to grow and continue moving forward. Thank you all so much for being a part of this.
0: Yeah, as a nonprofit leader, you really have to develop an ability to celebrate the small. Think about uh, Scrooge McDuck, right? He had his first dime uh, on uh, the wall in his in his room. And, and then he had like this huge, giant, uh, <laughs> you know, that full of coins that he would go swimming in. Right. But he treasured that me first time, you know, (laughs) and um, as a nonprofit leader, you have to learn how to celebrate those little stories because that's what leads to the big impact.
1: Yeah. Now, I will say you might hear ten thousand dollars and eight thousand dollars. Well, why wouldn't someone celebrate eight thousand dollars if your goal was ten thousand dollars and you raised two dollars? You better celebrate that. If your goal was to get 100 new volunteers and three people offered to volunteer one time each, that is worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. Every single contribution is worth celebrating. And as a leader, the biggest thing that you can do for the culture of your organization is learn how to celebrate the smallest changes. Because those changes over time have the potential to grow into something greater than you could imagine. But if you don't know how to celebrate even the smallest things you will um, struggle to genuinely celebrate even the biggest things. Because there's nothing worse than a leader saying, we're going to do 10,000, and then they do 10,000, and they're like... Ungrateful. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, we hit our goal, which is good, but... We could have done so we much more. I guess we should have done 12,000.
0: Yeah, I guess we should have set the goal higher then. Yeah.
1: That is like the quickest way to just deflate your organization <laughs> and just the morale of the, and people, all the people who, who care like- about you. I just like scraped the bottom of my pocket
0: so we can barely <laughs> hit that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like I just dug deep for that. And you're telling me it's not enough. Yeah. People hear that even if it's not what you're intending. So learn to celebrate mm-hmm. every single little thing that's contributed.
0: So next episode, we're actually going to be talking specifically about giving week, which is a year end tentpole event thing that happens for nonprofits all across Uh, The world. It's the Monday after Thanksgiving, or the Tuesday Tuesday. after Thanksgiving. You got, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Mm -hmm. which kind (laughs) of tells tells you what people are prioritizing a little bit. Like, ooh, go buy things, and then buy digital things, and then oh yeah, give to an organization. Yeah, do
1: you have any money left?
0: (laughs) But it is a great uh, reminder for people that this thing matters, and especially if you can beat some of that messaging that's happening in the beginning of the month. This is why you have to start early. Uh, You can leverage that Giving Tuesday really, really well. So we're going to talk in depth about that specific event in the next episode. But
1: earlier in this episode, we mentioned the nonprofit flywheel. If you're wondering, what is that? We do have a free ebook for you on it. If you go to our Facebook group, it's nonprofit, colon, volunteer and donor development, we'll send you the ebook, and basically it goes through what the flywheel is, how to use it, and how it can really benefit your organization so you can start building inertia from week to week, day to day, and importantly, event to event. So we'd love to share it with you. As always, if you have any questions, please send us an email at office at legacybuildersintl.com.